for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning, Downtown Hope. Joey here, and so thankful for the incredible team that we have uh, in this church. You just get a glimpse of it in these, um, you know, on our online gatherings. And this uh, weekend, since we didn't have a gathering yesterday evening, we're meeting our community groups uh, yesterday and today, and we're all together here online this morning. And uh, wherever you find yourself, whatever, uh, if somebody connected you with our gathering online here, if you live local here in the city of Annapolis, we're so thankful you're watching. We're so thankful you're joining in the movement of Jesus through this church. And uh, we would love, as Jen mentioned, to have you connect into the life of this body. We have a vision. We're a movement of people, we say, who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ for our city and world. And as Colin mentioned, we're continuing our series this morning called Press On in Philippians. Last week, I laid, I began the series, laid out a foundation of the big idea of this series in Philippians chapter 2, Paul, verses 12 and 14. Paul says, gives us two words uh, he gives to the church in Philippi. It's the same words we're going to be just sitting in uh, throughout the fall here. And those two words are press on in the midst of hardship, uh, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of difficulty. That is the call of Jesus for his body because he wants to make his body, his church, his bride beautiful. And this morning uh, and, and last week we laid the foundation to say the thing that we need the most in, in, in times of difficulty are words of encouragement from our brothers and sisters. And so hopefully we were able to practice that this last week as a church. What we learned here, we want to put into practice. We want to check in with one another through the discipleship bands and our communities as we walk this life out with Jesus, practicing and living out the way of Jesus, the gospel in our lives. This morning we're continuing just where we left off last week in verse 12. Uh, through 18, and so I'd love to read it to us, and then we're going to dive in together. Paul continues in his letter to his friends at Philippi, I want you to know, brothers, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having been become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that... I rejoice. And this is God's word. In verse 12, we discover something that happened to Paul. In fact, he starts this little section out in this way. He says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me. 
What has happened to him? It's a big question. We talked a little bit about it last week, and it's so much part of the context of the story behind this letter to Philippians. What's happened to him and what he's going to talk about in this little section and throughout the letter is that he is in prison. He's in prison. He's likely in prison in Rome. Uh, We find that in Acts 28. Some scholars also think he may have been in Caesarea. That would have been Acts 23. Uh, Others may, may be Ephesus, but wherever he was in prison... Uh, we know that it is part of the occasion for him writing back to his brothers and sisters in Philippi because as we said last week, the church was under pressure, intense persecution, and he was writing to them to say, press on. And he's in chains. In fact, this word imprisonment that we, uh, in prison that we find in verse uh, 13 and in 14 is the word literally chains or, or, or in, uh, in, in he's bound up. So you get that, that picture. It's not just that he's in a place where he's bound up, but actually his hands and his feet are in shackles. And we all at times in the story of our life, and maybe, of us, maybe some of us are experiencing this right now, find ourselves in this place where we are in chains. Sometimes it's extreme like Paul's situation, but for most of us it's in, in the ordinary uh, flow of our lives where there are limitations that are put on us, that there are rules for us to follow. I can remember 15 years ago uh, when Katie and I became mom and dad to our first child. Uh, When we brought her home from the hospital, I remember, wow, this is new, and a few days went by, and we settled in back at home. And then one evening, I said to Katie as she was on the couch holding little baby Sophia, I said, hey, babe, I'll see you. I'm going to hang out with my friends. And she gave me this look like, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) That movie ended. (laughs) That game is over. That's not happening anymore. Gone are the days where Joey gets to just, uh, you know, define his schedule based on what's good for him. We now have a responsibility to raise this peculiar, beautiful uh, little creature in our lives. And Joey, it's we get to raise this child. I don't raise your child, is what Katie was saying to me. And she was spot on. But this was a rude awakening for me. And it felt like all these limitations and all these, you know, new sets of rules and ways to live life were put upon me. And this was really hard. You might say, how immature was he? And I, I was pretty immature at age 24. Thinking about this back, it's, it's kind of humorous. But, but we've all experienced, we all experience situations like this. Have you ever been confined to a new set of rules? Have you ever been bound to your home or a place for an unwanted amount of time? Have you ever found yourself in a place where limitations were being put upon you without your consent? Have you ever been in a place where maybe local authorities or your boss or or the government around you was saying, hey, here are new things you need to abide to? Have you ever been bound to a difficult contract or an unhealthy relationship? Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do and all of a sudden you find yourself and you're like, I feel like I'm in chains? My feet, my hands feel shackled. And the question that Paul answers in this passage, this beautiful little thread of of scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit here, is this one question. What are the chains for? 
Have you ever asked yourself that question in the midst of, I've never really asked myself that question until I started reading and studying this passage this week, but this is really the question that Paul's answering in this passage. What are your chains for? What are my chains for? Why do we experience chains? What are they? What is the purpose of them? What is God's purpose behind the places where limitations are put on us, where we feel stuck or where we are actually stuck? And our typical answer in our human condition This is just part of how sin has affected the world, and this is part of who we are as human beings. We say, well, I know what chains are for. They exist to hinder us. They exist to hinder me. They exist to control me. They exist to confine me. They're a personal attack on my individual personal well-being. It's an indictment on my freedom and on my autonomy as an individual in this world where I think I rule and am at the center. And so our typical response to that question, what are chains for, is they're, <laughs> they're to be broken. <laughs> That's what they're for. They're to hold me bondage, and I want to break out of them. Fiona Apple, in her recent uh, album that she created, it's got angst, it's got grit. She created it in the middle, in the midst of this global pandemic and quarantine. Uh, her title song is called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And I think that phrase in itself says enough to us. That's what we feel when we have chains on us. Fetch the bolt cutters. We all get it. (laughs) Go get them. Cut these chains off. I don't want them. But what does the scripture call us to do when we find ourselves in containment, when we find ourselves stuck in bondage? Perhaps it's due to our own sin. Perhaps it's due to somebody else's sin. Perhaps it's due just to the fallen nature of the world. What do we do in that moment? And the point that Paul is making to his friends in Philippi, even as he finds himself in chains, is absolutely astonishing. The way that he answers this question is something that we would not naturally think about. It's a radical reorientation and it utterly changes the way we view our moments of confinement or limitation or chains. What are chains for? There's three movements in this passage we're going to look at briefly here. First, what are chains for? For Christ's glorification. Secondly, what are chains for? For others' liberation. And lastly, what are chains for? For our gratification. These are three movements in this passage. So first, what are chains for? Our chains are first and foremost for, for Christ's glorification. We are designed to place our desires and needs at the center of our existence. In fact, actually, we're not designed that way, but the effects of the fall have impacted us in such a way that we want to set ourselves as the autonomous self-centered as king. And this is a disordered love. It's us putting ourselves in the wrong order. And therefore, we believe our chains, our first thought about our chains are that they are limitations. And, And this depends on this basic underlying assumption that life is basically about me. Verse 13, Paul has an alternative pathway forward. He says, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment, listen, here's how he answers the question first. My imprisonment, my chains is for Christ. The entire palace guard knows that his chains are for Christ. Paul lives to put 
the name of Jesus Christ on display. In everything that happens to him, he wants Jesus to be seen and known through his life, even his chains. For Paul, the call to press on, for, and for us, the call to press on, means every limitation placed upon us, every rule that we have to abide by, every situation we find ourselves stuck in, every chain that we find ourselves bound to, they are all for Christ. That's the first purpose that we find in this passage for our chains. Is the totality of your life and my life, this is the question, basically about you or is it about another? Is it about Jesus? If it's basically about you, you will say, fetch the bolt cutters, get this thing off of me. A life focused on self. And if it is basically about Christ, you will say like Paul, I exist for God's glory under the freedom of his sovereignty and therefore I am willing to be bound in and through anything. And I trust him in the midst of my chains, through my chains, even despite my chains. And one of the most fascinating things about this passage and through all of Philippians is that not once do you hear Paul complain. Not once is he trying to defend himself. Rome unjustly imprisoned me. He doesn't say that. Not once does he say, please, Philippians, will you pray for my release? He doesn't even ask for that. Not once does he give attention to the unjust circumstances that led him to be in prison. I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up for justice. We are all about that as a church. I'm just saying for Paul as an individual in this moment, in this place, he is not focused on himself and the thing that is causing him to suffer the chains. He sees a picture and he lives for a picture of God's glory. Christ's glorification is what one of the purposes of his chains are for. He only wants to see Jesus. That's why he says at the beginning of this section in verse 12, he's so emphatic with his friends here. He says, I want you to know this. He didn't just start by telling. I want you to know that what has happened to me is for Jesus. What if instead of viewing our chains through the lens of human autonomy, we viewed our chains through the lens of God's sovereignty? Our chains are for Christ's glorification, firstly. But secondly, they're also for others' liberation. This is verse 12 and 14 to 18. Verse 12, second part of verse 12. Paul writes, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served, what? To advance the gospel. The purpose, the why behind our chains. What are our chains for? absolutely for Christ's glorification, but here also for others' liberation, that the gospel would advance. In fact, Paul is making direct connections here that his chains are actually resulting in the gospel being furthered in the world. The message of Jesus, the hope of freedom that we have in Christ is going out because of his chains. We see the limitations of chains put upon him as something to be used to further the gospel in the lives of others. We find this in verse 14 to 19. The good news of Jesus is being proclaimed. Uh, For some, it's emboldened them to speak up more and to do that out of goodwill and out of good motives. For some, they want to stir up more trouble for Paul, and so they continue to preach the gospel in order to try to uh, have him become persecuted more and chained up more. And in every situation, in either situation, this is completely opposite of how we think about chains. Because think about what a chain is. A chain is a conventional inhibitor or hindrance of of progress. 
If we want to move forward in the world and our, and our feet or our hands are shackled, we're going to be like, I can't do anything with that. This is a hindrance. Ch- chains are hindrances. Uh, limitations are hindrances to us. That's how we naturally see it. But for Paul, they are actually what God uses to progress the gospel for others, for others to hear and experience the true freedom that comes from the gospel of grace. And this is really fascinating in this, in this passage here. The word that Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to use for the word advance here is pro, uh, prokope. Now, prokope in Greek means to advance, to move forward. But very interesting, it sounds very similar, one letter different to the Greek word for hindrance, which is proskope, proskope, prokope is advancement. Proskope is hindrance. And so what Paul is saying here, he's actually being quite evocative. He's actually causing trouble here, (laughs) is what he's doing. He's saying, listen, you thought chains would proskope you. They would hinder you. But actually what they do is they prokope the gospel. How does the gospel advance through our chains, practically. What does that actually look like? Well, here, part of it was the gospel being spoken by fellow prisoners of Paul. It's not just through our words that we're emboldened to speak when we're chained and and when we have to depend greater on Christ, but it's our attitudes as we're chained. It's our posture. It's the shalom in our lives, the words that we speak even while we're bound in the midst of chains. It's when the watching world when your roommates, when your family, when your friends, when your coworkers, and when your neighbors see major limitations put on you and see intense, intensely difficult situations put on you and how you respond in grace and love and forgiveness and mercy, they, they, they start asking the question, I see him, I see her. How is she so bound in this season of life? I mean, just so many things that, that seem to be holding her down. And yet, she is so free. How, how, how does he seem so free, even though I'm looking at his life and I'm seeing all these chains in his life? And people start to say, that's what my heart actually aches for. I, I don't know what that person has. I don't know what's in them. I don't know what's come upon them. But there's something about their life that I yearn for and I long for. How often have you stopped in the midst of the trial or the bondage or the frustration you're facing and considered? What if this moment in my life is where I am so bound? Maybe the purpose of it or the why behind it is so others in my life might experience freedom. Are your chains basically about you and what you're missing out on? Or could it be about what somebody else will gain in this moment? Our chains are for Christ's glorification. Our chains are for others' liberation, the advancement of the gospel. And finally, our chains are for our gratification. Paul goes through this passage. He lays out the scenario here in these few verses. And then he ends in the most unexpected way. He says at the end of this, what then? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, good motives or bad motives, Christ is proclaimed. And then listen to how he ends this little section here. And in that, I rejoice. You see, we are trained in our culture as individual, autonomous beings that pain and suffering 
and chains are basically a negative thing and can have no positive effect. They have no redemptive quality. And yet, at the end of this passage, Paul's conclusion is that in the midst of his chains, whether the gospel is advancing for whatever reason, he is found rejoicing. This word rejoice is to rejoice, to be glad, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, to thrive. To thrive with chains on. The chains and limitations of our lives actually become for us as followers of Christ a moment and an occasion to thrive. Do you get this picture? I mean, think about the reality of this picture. A man in chains on death row, and here he is found rejoicing. Are your chains received by you as a gift to rejoice over or basically as a problem? I'm not saying chains are easy. I mean, they're hard. They're difficult. Fiona Apple says, fetch the bolt cutters. The chains come off. Let's cut them off. Get me out of this prison. But Jesus says something different. Through the Apostle Paul, he says, Paul says, I have a true, ultimate, lasting freedom that will one day be fully realized. And because of that future reality is mine today, it is not determined, my freedom is not determined by the four walls that I find myself in. My freedom is not determined by the chains that are on my wrists or on my feet. My chains, my freedom is not determined by whether I'm in an actual prison or not. My freedom is not dependent on what the government says or what somebody in my life says or what my boss says or the situation I'm stuck in or my circumstance. That's not where my freedom is found. Jesus is using this prison in Paul's life, this circumstance, these chains, to make himself known. And that freedom is not determined by circumstance. So you ask the question, how could a person bound by such chains be so free? How could a person in this situation who is bound by such tremendous chains be found so free rejoicing? And the answer to this question is a thing that is the thing we talk about every week. That is the thing that our church is about. And that is that Paul, at one point in his life, had experienced true bondage. As every single human being does. It's a bondage of the heart. It's a bondage to the thing that Jen was talking about earlier. It's a bondage to sin. This is why, this is why our hearts cry out, fetch the bolt cutters. But the problem is we can't. The problem is we can't. Romans 6, 16 through 18 says it this way. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? All of us find things in our lives that we enslave ourselves to. Patterns, idols, lifestyles, attitudes and mentalities, and we find ourselves in bondage. That was Paul's story. That was his life. He was in bondage to performance. He was in bondage to religiosity. 
he had experienced a bondage of the heart. Fiona's Apple song says this, I thought being blacklisted would be grist, grist for the mill until I realized I'm still here. I grew up in the shoes they told me I could fill, shoes that were not made for running up that hill, and I need to run up that hill. I need to run up that hill. I will, I will, I will. This was the same angst that was in Paul's life. This is the same angst that's in the human condition. We feel it deep in us that we've been set up. That the shoes that they told me I could fill are not the shoes that can actually make it up to the top of the hill. And that creates a deep sense of heart bondage in the human condition. So we say fetch the bolt cutters, but the bolt cutters don't actually work to cut the chains off. But Paul, in this place of heart bondage, had an experience where somebody else came to him. Somebody else fetched the bolt cutters for him. Somebody else cut those chains off of his heart. And he experienced a new kind of freedom. This is Romans 16. It picks up. It says that we are either going to be uh, slaves and chained to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And here's what Paul says in verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves and chained to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves or enchained to righteousness. This is a way of saying there is a new kind of freedom that came upon his life and it changed everything for him. No longer did the chains and the situational uh, bondage that he found himself in define him. Instead, the man who in this passage was in physical chains had met the living Christ and his heart was unshackled. And this is so vital for us as a church in this season, in this moment, as Philippians is calling us to press on. This is a thing we're going to continue to experience in this time, in the future, to varying degrees in our lives, different situations in our lives. But understanding what our chains are for, what our pain is for, is to have the means and the resource to press on. It is the cross. It is the power of the resurrection that snaps and breaks the chains of sin and breaks the chains of bondage. And therefore, we can be a people who say, no matter what is on our hands, no matter what is on our feet, we are free as free can be. Free from sin, free from bondage, alive in Christ, made new. Our chains are for Christ's glorification. Our chains are for others' liberation, that they, the gospel would advance. And our chains are for our gratification, that we would be found rejoicing. So 15 years later, <laughs> I can report <laughs> and say those limitations that came upon my life at, at that time have been some of the most transformative things that God has used in my life. My wife, my daughter, my sons, we are more like Jesus we are more whole, we are more free because I got this gift of fatherhood which is so incredible. The bondage and the chains that sometimes we think are for ill, God always uses for good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage, this section of scripture 
We see Paul in chains, so free. He's not saying fetch the bolt cutters because the bolt cutters had already been fetched for him and he had been brought into a new life, a new kind of freedom. And my prayer, Lord, for us as a body is that we would walk and live in this freedom in the days to come. May we press on in the freedom that you give us, Christ. Freedom from sin, freedom, freedom from bondage. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.